There we go. Okay, we are holding in Tanya, Perek Yud Gimel, chapter 13, which is the continuation of the story of the Benini. Um, as we said numerous times already, the Tanya is called the Sefer Shel Benanim, the Sefer for the Benini. Benini literally means the uh, middle grounds person, the intermediate um, versus, you know, there's the Tzaddik, there's the Russia, there's the very holy, great, righteous Tzaddik, and then there's the wicked Russia and the Benini. And as we said many times, but I'll say it again, and that is that there is the um, common, classical understanding of Tzaddik, Russia, Benini, the simple one, which is that the Tzaddik is more good than bad, and the Russia is more bad than good, and the Benini is somewhere in the middle, half good and half bad. And that is a true interpretation, and many times that's what it means. On a simple level, that's what it does mean. And yet the Tanya is talking about a much deeper understanding of it, more of a mystical understanding of it. And the Tzaddik, Benini, Russia takes on a whole new meaning. And the basic idea, the basic rule of thumb is that the Tzaddik is that, uh, I'm sorry, is it, we have to define a person understand that there is the external versus what's going on inside. Right, the external is what we call the expressions of the soul or the garments of the soul, the thought, speech, and deed. And then there's what's going on inside. And the basic idea is that the Russia is one who even externally, the negative side takes over sometimes. So the Russia sometimes does the Avera. Uh, speech, in thought, uh, verbally, in action. So if even externally the bad takes over, so then, that's a Russia. And there's millions of levels of Russia, as we discussed, but that's a Russia. The tzaddik is the one that even internally, there's no, there's no bad anymore. That's the tzaddik. Even internally, the tzaddik has totally gotten rid of that nefesh of Bahamas, that animal soul, anything negative, any selfish desires, it's all gone. As David HaMalach said, Libi chalol bekirbi, my heart is hollow within me. I don't have a Yitzhahar anymore, I'm done. Right? He had one. Um, but then, and he sinned, but then he did shuva to the extent where he got rid of his Yitzhahara, that's the tzaddik. The Benini is one that internally there is struggle, but externally he always wins. That's the oversimplified version of the Benini. Internally there's a struggle because there's two souls, and there's the animal soul, and there's the godly soul, and both souls are very vibrant, and both souls uh, voice their opinion and their wants and desires, and the Benini is, is able to um, exercise perfect self-mastery. So as far as the external expressions, the machshava, the thoughts, the dibur, the speech, the maisa, the action, the benini always is on top. That's the benini. So why are they a benini? They're wonderful, they're perfect. Well, they are wonderful and perfect. They're a benini because inside there's two competing forces. It's not like the tzaddik that there's only holiness inside. Right? And that's the, this is the rule of thumb, tanya benini. Again, we look at a benini, wow, that's perfect, that's wonderful, and it is. It's unbelievable to be a Benini. But from the, the Tanya perspective, the Benini is perfect on the outside, in the expressions, in always winning the battles. But there's always battles. And those battles is what makes the Benini a Benini. I believe someone pointed out last week a good point, which in a way the Benini is always exerting such strength in a way better, more than the Tzaddik. Because the Tzaddik is not battling. The tzaddik is done. And the Benini is everyday battling and everyday winning, which is amazing. And that's true. And there is a strength to the Benini that, that's beyond. That's even beyond the tzaddik in a way. But nevertheless, the Benini from Tanya perspective is the Benini because there is the battle, because there are the two sides of the coin going on inside every day. That's the basic idea. Last week, we, po we touched on another point. And I just want to review that quickly. <coughs> Excuse me. 
and that is that there, the Bainini is not just a great um, you know, self-disciplinarian that always does the right thing. The Bainini is only a Bainini because they also have the time during the day that they daven. And we talked about the davening time. In, during davening, a Bainini is like a tzaddik. Which means, what does that mean? During davening, a Bainini, even internally, um, awakens their nefesh, or the their godly soul, and their divine um, wisdom and feelings and emotions to the extent that during davening, the animal soul is totally knocked out, even by the Bainini. So that if we would have some type of a... Uh, internal MRI for Nefesh Alokis and Nefesh Bahamas. And we'd be able to look, give a, put a Bainini under the MRI or the CAT scan during davening, we wouldn't find the Nefesh Bahamas during davening by the Bainini. So even internally, during davening, the Bainini is tzaddik-like. Am I being clear? Okay. Right? So, and because of that hour or half hour or two hours, whatever time it is, because of that internal overpowering of the Nefesh of Bahamas that the Bainini experiences during davening, it's with that power and the, that, um, what's left over from that, so to speak, the, uh, the mark that that makes, that gives the Bainini the koach throughout the day to overcome. So after davening, the Bainini's Nefesh of Bahamas is back in play. But because during davening, the Nefesh of Lakis, the godly soul, was so empowered by the intensity of the tefillah of the Benini, that carries over throughout the day to give the Benini the koach to always exert that, that uh, mastery of the godly over the animal, of the, of the holy over the unholy, the desires that are going to come up um, inevitably throughout the day. Right? These are all ideas of chapter 12 of Tanya, which was the first chapter devoted to the Benini. Chapter 13, which we're going to talk about tonight, is a direct continuation of that. 12 and 13 together, really, are the story of the Benini and going through different points about it. So that's where Perak Yud Gimel chapter 13 begins uh, tonight. And he starts off by, and really in chapter 13, one of the things he's going to do is really, we're going to go back to chapter 1. Because you might recall in chapter 1, uh, 13 classes ago, um, he gave a number of statements of Chazal, of the Talmud, of Gemara, of Midrashim that are hard to understand using the classical way of understanding things. But through the, the whole explanation of Sadiq, Benini, and so on, we go back then and touch on and explain many of those points that were talked about in Perak Aleph in chapter 1. And this goes on throughout Tanya. Throughout Tanya, many times after an explanation, says, now we'll understand what we started in chapter 1. In this chapter, we do that a couple of times. We look at a couple of quotes from chapter 1 and explain them now based on our newfound understanding of what's going on. Okay? So, I'm assuming that all the muted people said amen. I just couldn't hear. Okay. Parakut Gimel. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, in chapter one, he brought a Gemara. That the Gemara says, Benunim shoftan. That by the Benuni, the two sides, the godly and the animal, Shoftan are judging the Benuni. The Benuni has like two Shoftim, two judges within them, and both of them are there. And that's really based on a Pasuk in Tehillim. The Pasuk in Tehillim in chapter 109, Kuftes, says, that Hashem stands at the right side of the Evyon. Evyon literally is like the poor person. Right? I'm poor and we give Matanos Le'evyonim. So Hashem stands at the right side of the Evyon, 
to save the poor person, from the judges over his soul. That's the Pasuk in Tehillim, David HaMelech talking. And like every Pasuk, especially Tehillim, that has so many layers. But what does it mean when we say it? That Hashem is standing at the right side of the poor person to save the poor person from the judges of his soul. So what does that mean? And of course, again, the different Pshatim. In Tanya, and really the Gemara already says this, that the poor person here is not someone who's poor in monetarily. We're talking about the person who's struggling. And they're poor because they're, they might lose the battle. And there's the two shoftei nafsha, the two judges, that are struggling over the person. And Hashem stands on the right side and helps the person overcome. Says the Alter Rebbe, this Pasuk is the Tehillim expression of a Benini. Why is that? So he says a few points. First of all, the word is shoftei nafsho, the judges of his soul, not moshle nafsho. What's the difference between a shofet and a moshel in Hebrew? A shofet is a judge. A moshel is a ruler, right? What's the difference between a judge and a ruler? So the Tanya says here, a judge, you have two judges or three judges sitting on the court. Each one gives its opinion. They don't rule, they judge. They give their opinions. Who's going to win? Well, if there's two judges, you might have to bring in a third in order to come to a, to a, con, you know, a, a conclusive opinion, right? A ruler means what they say goes. Says the Alter Rebbe, the words of Tehillim are very, very exact. Dovah did not say we have two rulers within ourselves. We have two judges within ourselves. A judge gives an opinion. Our Nefesh says, I want you to do that. Our Nefesh says, I want you to do that. Neither has mastery. Neither has rulership capability. They only have opinion capability. And then it's up to us to say, okay, which way am I going? But if we were left to it on our own, we might not make the right choice always. Hashem, that's what the Pasuk says. Hashem stands at the right side of a person and gives them the koach that they need to be able to overcome. That koach that we said, that one daven in the morning and they brought more kedusha into themselves, that kedusha is with the person throughout the day as Hashem's expression. Standing there helping the person overcome when those two voices are inevitably going to clash and going to uh, argue about what I should do. So we have that divine help helping the person overcome. When the person makes the right choice on their own to go dive it. For sure. No, for sure. We, Hashem doesn't make the choice for us right. at all. We are the ones put into that position, but we have the divine assistance. We have the help to be able to overcome. Right? And you're right. We dive in, we do our avoda, and then we have that koach that Hashem gives us to be able to overcome. In fact, he brings, he references a beautiful Gemara, which I'm going to read to you from Sechta Kiddushin. If someone wants to look it up, it's on page 30b in Kiddushin. And I'm reading it as it says, Amr of Yitzchak. Rav Yitzchak says, Yitzro shal adam mishadish alav b'chol yom. A person's Yetzir Hara, negative inclination, every day comes, new, comes back with a vengeance. Shanemar, as the Pasik says, in Bereshis, Rak, Rak, Kol Hayom, it says there about the, the generation of the flood. But Hashem says, listen, that's the way it is. A person has desires every day to do things that are not the way Hashem wants. Vam Reb Shimon Balevi, Reb Shimon Balevi says, Yisro shel Adam misgaber alav b'chol yom, etc. The Yetzir Hara, every day tries, tries, uh, tries again, he brings a Pasuk, 
And then he says, Without divine assistance, one would not be able to overcome. Shenemer, as the Pasuk says, Elohim lo yazvenu biyado. Hashem has given us that ability, that koach, to be able to always overcome. And as I mentioned last week, um, sometimes people fail, right? P- present company excluded. And sometimes they say, um, I couldn't resist, I couldn't hold back, right? But Hasidah says, and not just Hasidah, the Torah says, it's not true that, you, that one couldn't. We always have the koach to overcome, right? We have to do our our part, but we have that divine assistance, that promise that going through the right steps, we will have the koach to overcome. Now, what is that divine assistance? So we talked about the davening, we talked about the fact that we have moach shalit al-halev, a natural um, strength that there is to mind over heart, to what we understand, over what we desire. Um, and also we talked about last week, and he mentions it again in this parak, what Shlomo Melech writes, in Kohelas, he talks about the advantage of wisdom over silliness, like the advantage of light over dark. Right? Very I've seen Sheyash Yisrael, there's an advantage, Lechachmam and Asichlus, wisdom over silliness, which means Kedusha over that which is not Kedusha, just like light is more powerful than dark. Hashem imbued it into the world that if you bring light into a room, the light brings light and dispels darkness. That same advantage Hashem gave to Kedusha over Klippa, in many ways Kedusha is compared to light, and, on, and, not in the, uh, and lack of holiness is compared to darkness, and light has that superior quality if we tap into it and want to use its superior, superior quality. So that is how he opens up the chapter with that um, Pasuk and Tehillim, and that explanation of the Gemara, that the two voices are called the two Shoftim, and we have the last word with the divine assistance to overcome it. Okay. Now he goes back to another point that he really started out in chapter 1 in Tanya, and now we're going to actually the very first lines of Tanya. It's like, it's like a review when we're learning this chapter, back to chapter 1. What was the first question of Tanya? <clears throat> One moment. The very first question that Tanya opens up was on a, with a Gemara. The Gemara says that when a child is born, when the um, neshama is coming out of the mother's womb, the child, the neshama is made to undertake an oath. And what's the oath? Tehit tzaddik, va'al tehi rasha. To act as a tzaddik in this world, not as a rasha. But then it says, that's part one. That part we're not going to explain now. We'll deal with that in a later chapter. But then he says, va'afilu kol olam kulo omrim lecha tzaddik ata. The soul is told. Even as you're going through life, even if everyone looks at you and says, wow, you're a tzaddik. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't believe it. You should look at yourself like a Russia. That's what that Gemara, that's a statement in the Gemara that the Altar, it's the first statement in Tanya that Gemara is quoted. But the Altar Rebbe challenges that with two very important questions. Right, again, let's remember, the, the Gemara says that the child is told, the baby is told, whatever happens, everyone says you're a tzaddik, you should look at yourself as a Russia. The Altar asked two questions. Number one, there's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos that contradicts that. It says, Al-Tahi Rasha Bifnei Atzmacha. One should not look at themselves as a Russia, Ever. So it, this is like a total blatant contradiction. Here the, here the person is told, and the Shama is told, even if everyone tells you you're a tzaddik, look at yourself as a Russia. In Pirkei Avos, it says, don't look at yourself as a Russia. You can't get more contradictory than that. That was the first Tanya question. Question number two, he says, forget about the contradiction. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea to always look at oneself as a Russia because that won't make us very happy. 
Oh. Right? I, and that's not like good, uh, you know, therapy. Mental health. <laughs> Mental health. You become one? What? You think you're one, then you'll become one. Right. Better. Even worse, the Rebbe says, if you get accustomed to that feeling, then you'll stop being sad about the whole thing. Like, why not? Okay, I'm a Russia anyway. It's like as. Right, exactly. like as Exactly. And that's, and that's what the Alter exactly what you just said is what we're saying. The Alter Rebbe says that at this point, we're going to define something very important. It said, even if everyone tells you you're a tzaddik, you should be in your eyes like a Russia. The Hebrew word is, Russia with that cough says like a Russia. It didn't say to really believe you're a Russia. It says to look at yourself like a Russia. But what does that mean? What's the difference between being a Russia and being like a Russia? Isn't that just semantics? Like says a the Russia would be. Oh, hold on. Never mind. <laughs> says the Alter Rebbe, and it's here's exactly. It comes in here for a reason. Like a Russia is a Benini. What? Because you're not doing action. Because I'm not doing anything wrong. But like a Russia, in a sense, I have Russia feelings. I have those desires. I have a healthy animal soul. I could easily tomorrow morning listen to it. So, no, I overcome it. But I always should remember that even though I may have done everything right today, that doesn't mean that inside of me there isn't something lurking that is very Russia-like and could very easily come to the fore. And if so, the Alter Rebbe says, now that Gemara is perfectly understood. What's the Gemara really saying? It's saying, even if everyone around you looks at you and says, wow, you're perfect. And you know why everyone is saying you're perfect? Because maybe you acted perfectly today. Maybe you really did. But the Alter Rebbe says, but the Alter Rebbe explains the Gemara is saying, don't delude yourself. Just because I acted perfectly today doesn't mean that I don't have a Yitzhahara anymore. It doesn't mean that I'm a tzaddik. I did act perfect today and I get a lot of credit for that and it's okay to accept the credit for that and it's okay to pat yourself on your back. The Alter doesn't say those words. But, I, but that's okay. But remember that although everyone around me says, wow, tzaddik, perfect. Not, not true. Not necessarily true, because it's very likely that inside there is a very healthy, not sadic part of me that could easily come out if I don't, if I'm not careful, if I'm not on my guard. And that's what the Gemara was saying. Because once we have the picture of the inside and the outside and what's going on inside versus the external expressions, then this Gemara comes into very, very perfect um, focus as to the message. Because what's the problem if someone thinks they're a tzaddik and if they're not? Like, so what's, what's wrong? Everyone says I'm perfect, so I'll believe I'm perfect. What's, why is that so important to remember that no, no, no? Well, they won't be on their guard. Well, first of all, because I have to be on my guard. If I think that I've gotten rid of my nefesh abamas, I don't have a yitzhahar anymore, I'm a tzaddik, so then I'm good, right? I don't have to really worry about anything anymore. But if I, if I like, like there's another mission on Pirkei Elvis that says, don't believe in yourself, right? Al-tamin the Mishnah says, don't believe, because when you get too haughty about, oh yeah, I'm, I'm good, I, I don't have those things anymore, I don't, I don't have to deal with that, I don't, I don't struggle anymore, that's when the struggles really, really begin. And that, that's, there's other reasons also, but for now that will suffice. Um, actually, you know what, I'll say one more reason. 
for those who are following in the, the daily Tanya, the Chitas, which is further, we're in chapter 27, so there he says something else. He says, sometimes a person has a negative desire and they're all depressed. How could I have that negative desire? I, you know, I, I thought I'm so good and holy and spiritual. How can I have... And a person could be de- depressed because of their struggles and their negative impulses and so on and so forth. And the author Rebbe says much later in Tanya, he says, what are you so upset about? You have a healthy nefesh Bahamas. That's okay. That's normal. Right? It's normal that we, we're going to have struggles as long as you overcome it. You know, so, kala <laughs> kavod. He says, nothing to be depressed about. But that's only when I took this teaching to, to, uh, to a heart that I didn't believe I'm a tzaddik. And I know that even though I'm acting good, I still have inside an ongoing battle. And therefore, it's okay that I feel that ongoing battle. It's not a problem to feel the battle, which is an important Tanya concept. That struggle and battle and desires are not bad. Because right, that takes away the depression, then you're using it. In exactly. Exactly. It's 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 part. It's the way Hashem made me, right. and it's the way I'm supposed to be, and I'll probably be that way for the rest of my life. And my job is to overcome and to do the right thing, mm-hmm. right? So that's how that Gemara becomes explained as well. So 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 obviously that answered both questions, right? It's not a contradiction to the Mishnah that said don't see yourself as a Russia, because that means don't see yourself as a literal Russia. Also. The idea of, well, if I'm thinking that I'm a Russia, I'll be depressed. Not so, because I'm not thinking I'm a Russia. I'm just remembering that within inside, within me, there are those, both of those feelings. Okay? So those are the parts of this chapter that go back to chapter one and resolve some of the questions that were left over there 13 chapters ago. Okay. Then the Altar goes on, and he says, what about a person who... Um, who davens, all, who davens well in the morning and, you know, very inspired and avas Hashem and everything, all nine yards, right? And then the rest of the day, you know what they do? They're learning Torah. They're like, there's, there's some people that way that that's what they do all the time. They're learning and they're davening and they're doing holy stuff. So they never struggle with their Yitzhahara because it's always good. They're always involved in spirituality and holiness and they're always sequestered in the base medrash and learning and davening and so, does that mean that one is a tzaddik? No. Says the Alter Rebbe, no. He says no. And the Alter Rebbe, he comes across somewhat stern in this chapter, but he, he wants to make his point. He says, even if one might be in the situation where they never, they say, I don't battle at all. I'm good. Right? In the morning, I'm inspired, and later I'm involved in Torah mitzvahs, and I don't face the world, I don't deal with the world, I don't deal with anything. I'm mamish a tzaddik. The Alter Rebbe says, not necessarily. Maybe, but not necessarily. It's very likely that you davened well and you were inspired and throughout the day because you're involved in Kedusha and so on and so forth, so the Yisrahara never expresses itself. You take care of kids for a day. <laughs> right, right. He says, exactly, exactly. And as many times he says, the fact that you're in such a closed and wonderful environment, so you're very protected, that doesn't mean that it isn't there. It just wasn't called, you know, wasn't woken up. And he goes even further. And he says that there could theoretically be a person who davens the whole day. Which means it's not just about davening, but is in that level of spiritual um, inspiration and their godly soul is inspired to the extent that their Yitzhahara is just, like we said before, that during davening of the Bainu, the Yitzhahara is out of a job. It has no expression, no desire, because the, the, the godly soul is in such a state of... Um, a strength of, uh, of revelation and inspiration, the Yitzhahara is just knocked out totally. Um, we mentioned the Pasuk that was told to 
uh, Rivka Imenu. Right, our mother Rivka, when she felt those uh, those birth um, those pregnancy difficulties, and she went to the tzad, the yeshiva Shem and Aver, and she was told, "You have two nations in your womb." And then she was said, "Laom milaom yemats," which means when one will be stronger, the other will be down. When the other will be stronger, one will be down. They're going to be in a state of perpetual. I don't know the right word, but asisa. When one is up, the other is down. Mm-hmm. So that was obviously talking about Yaakov and Esav, which represents Kedusha and the, and, and, and the antithesis to Kedusha. And the same thing goes on within ourselves. When the Benini during davening, when the Yetzer Tov, the Yetzer, the godliness is so expressive and so flaming, so the Yetzer Hara has no expression whatsoever. It's, Dr. Abbey, in fact, uses in this chapter the metaphor that it's like it's sleeping. It, it goes in, goes on for a nap. You know, it has no, it has no business now. It goes for a nap, right? So, what if a person is in that state the entire day? They're always in a state of such divine revelation that the Yisrael never has a voice. Not only they never doesn't it express itself. Not only do they ma- are they masters, but the Yisrael just doesn't have a voice because the godless soul is always so fully expressive. Mm-hmm. Says Al Rebbe, that's a wonderful place to be. But it doesn't mean the person's a tzaddik. Because what's happening is this Yetzir Hara is always being locked up in the closet. It's always being put to sleep, which is great. But it doesn't mean it's not there. Because not there is the tzaddik. And with this, he answers one of the most perplexing questions going back to chapter 1. And he does that again. Because, and, and here we have, in chapter 1, if you recall, there was a fascinating um, conversation between Rabbah and his disciples. Rabbah was one of the um, great sages of the Gemara. And Rabbah said, I think I'm a Bainani. That's what he said. I'm just, I'm just a Bainani. Now his disciple, Abaye, said, get out of here. I don't think he said it in that way. But he said, if you're a Bainani, what are we? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's literally what he said was if you're a Bainani then none of us have any life in other words then we're totally out of the picture but the Altarebbe was wondering in chapter 1 what was Rabbah thinking you know when, when a tzaddik says something he wasn't kidding and it wasn't false humility which is meaningless if Rabbah said I think I'm a Bainani that means he believed he was a Bainani well, maybe because he never exposed to right. But, but Rabbah obviously is a person who never had an internal... Rabbah really was a tzaddik. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is correct. And as Dr. Rabbah's point is that it's possible for a Bainini to think for real that they're a tzaddik. It's possible that a Bainini's whole day's life experience should feel exactly like a tzaddik. How could that be? How, you know, if a Bainini has an internal struggle... So Rabbah should have known that he has no internal struggle. So if he has no internal struggle, he's not a Baini. I mean, Rabbah must have learned Tanya, right? Unless his, his Yetzirah was hibernating. <laughs> right, so that's, that's the Alter Rabbah's point. So the Alter Rabbah's point is that at the highest point of Bainini, everything has a lot of levels. Just like we learned about the Russia, so many different levels, and the Saudi, so many, even a Bainini has a lot of different levels. So the highest level of Bainini is in the Tanya vernacular, is the Benini HaMispalil Kol Hayom. He's the entire day like the Davener. So his entire day, the, the Nefesh Olakis is, is in a state of total expression. And the, the Nefesh Amamis is like hibernating. It's gone. So it might be gone for six months, like the beers or, or whatever it is. But 
but it's it could still be there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't totally transformed. And that's why it makes sense that even a tzaddik like Rabbah could say, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm a Benini. Because maybe I don't feel it. I don't struggle. True. But that's just because I'm always in the yeshiva and I'm always davening. I'm always in a state of spiritual, whatever it is, ecstasy, whatever. And, and therefore, I just don't feel it. But maybe it's there. I guess you could test it out. You could, I don't know if like you're... We, we, don't, we, we don't test ourselves. We don't look for tests. But the, but the alternative point is that if we see that someone like Rabbah could say that, that means it's possible. Right. It means it's possible that I have no struggle, but it's not because it's not there. It's just because today, or today and tomorrow, and the whole year, it was totally covered over, totally not allowed to express itself in any way or form whatsoever. And all of that is the Bainini. So in summation... In summation, the Benini is someone who has a Nefesh Abahamas. And it's there. Now, how present is it? There could be many different levels of Benini. There could be the Benini that feels that struggle and always overcomes with the strength of that davening and the strength of Hashem helping him. There could be the Benini that doesn't feel it because they're just too busy with other things. There could be the Benini that's like always in a state of tefillah, so the Nefesh Abahamas is like always sleeping. The common denominator is that the Benini which again, which is the place that all of us are looking for really, has a Nefesh Bahamas and exercises mastery over it in many different levels of mastery. Uh, starting with basics of not doing something wrong or speaking something wrong. And when a negative thought comes to mind to push it away, that's the most basic, which is big. And then on higher levels of Bainini, where they might not even hear the Nefesh Bahamas because they're involved in Torah or because they're davening and so on and so forth. But all this is the Bainini. Which leads the Alter Rebbe to a final and very interesting discussion. Can I, yes. Can I ask a question? Sure. So, thank um, you, sorry, I can you. <laughs> um, So, all of this is as a result of Chetz Eitzadas. Is that my understanding? Like, can we say, so before that, and we were in a level of absolute purity, and there was no, and then, is this then a tikkun for that? Is this, um, you know, so every single person, um, uh, obviously, of course, as you said, with tzaddikim, no, but, um, you know, we're repenting for... Um, for that sin until Mashiach comes. Like, I just want to understand that. I don't know if there's a relationship to that, but I'm like, you know. Okay, um, so that's an interesting question, and I don't know that I know the answer exactly. Um, Chet Eitz Hadas, the Alter Rebbe doesn't talk about the Chet Eitz Hadas in Tanya, in the basic story of the Sadiq Rosh Abenini. Um In general, the world without a Chet Eitz Hadas would have looked very, very different. But then again... That's all part of that divine plan. You know, exactly, you know, how, the what ifs, if there wouldn't have been a Chet Eitzadas, how would everyone be and what would there have to be? I definitely don't know the answer to that question. In other words, the plan ultimately included a Chet Eitzadas and therefore our Avedas since then. Um, before Chet Eitzadas, there was also holiness and not holiness in this world. But the basic idea, says in Chesidus, is that beforehand the holiness and, holi- and unholiness were very clearly distinguishable. They weren't confused and mixed in together, so to speak. What the Chet Yitzhak did was it brought it together, so therefore there's always this mixture and, and so on, and this battle. But clearly there was unholiness and there was the ability for sin, because that's how the sin happened. 
right? Ultimately, there will come a time when Mashiach will come that that whole ability won't be there anymore. So, Chetzei Tzadas had a big hand in bringing that mixture of Klippa and Kedusha, which goes on in everything in this world until Mashiach comes. That's the best I can say to answer that question. Okay? Fine. Um, the final discussion of this chapter is a very fascinating one. And very interesting and very philosophical. And it goes the following. The Ahava and Yira, the internal feeling of love and fear of Hashem that the Benini is able to reach during davening. Is it emes? Is it truthful? That's the question of the last chapter of this, uh, the last part of this chapter. But I want to explain what that means. What's the difference between something that's truthful and something that's not, that's not really truthful? So, I mean, obviously on a very simple level, if I told you that I did something that I didn't, I lied. If I did it, it was truth. But on a much deeper level, Truth means something that's unchangeable, that's always there. It's not just something that happens to be there right now. There is a pasuk in Mishle that he quotes here in the Tanya, which is, Sfas emes tikon la'ad. Real truth is everlasting. Truth means an unchangeable, an unchangeable truth. Ve'ad argia l'shon sheker. Falsehood doesn't stand long. Falsehood, I say, it's, it's not something that's consistent. It's, it's, a chain, it's changeable. Anything that is only, um, is only there today, but it's only there because of certain circumstances, tomorrow's not here anymore, is not considered the real emes, real truth, because it's only here because of circumstances. Take away the circumstance, it's not there anymore. Right? In other words, what are the deepest truths about ourselves? For example, the fact that I'm a person. That's a truth, because that's not changing. But the fact that I'm nice, maybe today I'm nice, come back tomorrow, I don't know. So niceness is nice, it's nice that I'm acting nice, but I don't know that I'm for sure nice tomorrow. In other words, the fact that I'm nice is not the same level of truth as the fact that I'm a human being. Because it's not false either. Right, it's not false in the typical sense of falseness, but it doesn't have the... Uh, I don't know the right word for it, but the the unchangeable truth. truth. That's why it says. But it, it was it was truthful for that moment. Well said, well said, and, but that's why it says that the only real truth is Hashem. The Rambam says in the beginning of his great work, he says that in MS Ka'amitaso. There's no truth like Hashem's truth. The Rambam says because everything else could be or could not be. They're here right now, but they might not be here tomorrow. Anything in creation doesn't have to be because Hashem created it into being. If He created it into being, that means that one day it could be, the next day it can stop being. A person is alive, but then they're not. Right? So the whole thing that is sort be, of... That could also not be a truth. I'm right. Person. Well, the life of the person. Okay. Right? Okay. I'm not going to be something else than a person, though. Right. But I'll be uh, but the life of a person, a person alive. And, uh, and the Rambam talks about that. And again, the Rambam can be very philosophical in his form as well. And he writes about that, that the true emes is only something that's unchangeable. Um, interesting, just a, a halachic um, angle and to this. Hashem can change anything, though. So then right. everything is unchangeable except Hashem. Exactly. Everything is changeable, except that's, that's what, what yeah, that's the words of the Rambam. The Rambam says, Ein emes kaamitaso. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's why it says, Hu alokim emes. That Hashem is the ultimate emes. We say, Hashem alokechem emes in Kriyashma. Mm-hmm. The only truth that is never going anywhere is something that didn't start being at a certain point in time. And that's Hashem. Mm-hmm. So, in general, um, 
you say uh, someone was inspired and he did something very special. Yeah, yeah, but tomorrow they won't be inspired anymore. It's okay. It's, it's, a, it's a passing phase. Mm-hmm. It's not real. Real means it's sticking around. It's sticking around for a day or a year or 10 years or 100 years. Is it real or is it just a passing phase? So using that, based on that concept, the Alter Rebbe says, so after all that, Abedini during davening, he has the awakened that Avas Hashem and, and the Yetzir Hara, the Rav Shabbos has been totally subdued and it's an hibernation like we said, but after davening, it's right back there again. So does that, does that mean that the Abedini's avoda internally is not real, it's not truthful, because it's so changeable, transient, right? The tzaddik's avodah is real. The tzaddik got rid of the nefesh of Bahamas. The tzaddik loves Hashem, and that's it. And it's not, the, tzaddik, the tzaddik is not changing there, you know, an hour later, or a day later, or a week later. So the Alter Rebbe sort of uh, wonders aloud about the truth of the internal avoda of the benini, which is a very interesting, a philosophical, but very important question for us. Because that's us, even if we're not a perfect benini. But the concept that sometimes we get very inspired. But then we lose the inspiration. So does that mean that that inspiration wasn't really real? And the author Rebbe says, he says that from the vantage point of the tzaddik, the Benini's Avoda perhaps is not so emes, not so real, because the Sadi comes from a place of, what do you mean? If it's real, it's real. It's not a changeable. What is this business with this changeable inspirations? And the Alter Rebbe talks about it. And then he does something that I think is the only time in the entire Tanya he, do, he does it. He inserts himself into the story and says, I want to tell you. It's very interesting. This expression is the only place in Tanya. For some reason, in my memory, I'm thinking it might be one more time in Tanya, I think. But I'm not even sure about that. Here is for sure, if not the only, one of two places. And the Alter Abbey writes, he says, no, I'm telling you, it's a true Avaita. He says, V'hareini kore. I call out and say, Be'ahavasam shebet filasam. The av, the love that Abini inspires in, within themselves when they're davening, I call this also svas emes tikon laad, an everlasting truth. Why? Even though the Alter Rebbe just told us that though the Benini was inspired during davening, 10 minutes later that inspiration might be lost. Mm-hmm. So then it's not, if it's not everlasting, it's not a truth, it's changeable, mm-hmm. it's not real. So Alter Rebbe says no. Because at any moment, the Bainini can do it again. You know, the Bainini, the Yid, the, the struggling Yid has the ability always to, to open their sitter or to inspire themselves or to think about Hashem and bring themselves to that place. So there's an everlasting nature. There's a truth to the Bainini's Ahavas Hashem as well. In other words, there is certain truths that are always there, period. They're always there. That means the tzaddik always feels that because, again, the tzaddik got rid of their Yisrael, Nefesh Bahamas, and they always, the Nefesh or the Kis, the godless soul is always in a state of expression, and they always feel Avas Hashem and Yiras Hashem, and that's it. Okay, that's, that's wonderful. The Bainini is not there. But it's not as if it's just the Bainini can only do it 10 minutes a day and that's all. At any point, the person has the ability to say, okay, you know what? 
I want to I want to get in touch with my nefesh elokis. I want to contemplate about Hashem. I want to awaken feelings for Hashem. It's always within the reach of the Benuni to do so. Says the Alter Rebbe, that's also emes. And he says something beautiful. He says that emes truth is very very. Okay, I'm going to make this mistake that I always make. Objective and subjective, which one is which? Objective is you. Objective is like a truth that's known to everyone. So the MS, he says, MS can be on a lot of different levels. Everyone could have their own MS. That means MS is objective or subjective? It's subjective. Thank you. I made this mistake by this table many times. Uh, I always want, for some reason, it's one of my things. It's not going to help. So it's just it's like an, it's an MS mistake. It always comes up. Okay. So 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 he says MS is subjective, and there's the MS in the tzaddik's world, and the MS for every person there is their MS, and for them that's real MS at their level where they're at. So whereas for the tzaddik MS means that it's always there, it's always present, always that level of inspiration. For Bainini, the MS is the, the ability to, all, to always be able to tap into it. That's also an MS. That I'm, I always have that godly soul and I always have the ability to tap into it and, and awaken those necessary feelings. So though, you know, the tzaddik is looking over the shoulder and saying, that's not MS, come on. You don't have it the whole time. So the Bainini says, tzaddik, you go back to your tzaddik business. In, for Bainini's, this is MS. The, my MS is my ability to always connect to it, to always find it, to always, if I need it, jump into it and pull out my Tehillim and I could be there again. That's MS for the Benini. And he says, Russia? well, Russia is not an Avoda. The Avoda of the Russia is to be a Benini. <laughs> That's always the important thing to remember. Like there's a book of Sadiqim, there's a book of, of Benini. There's no book for Rishayim. The book of the Russia says, go, go read the book of the Benini. Right, so so he says the following. He says very, something very beautiful, and that is, it says that um, of our avos, there was Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Each one had a special mida. What was the mida of Avram? It says Chesed. Avram's paradigm of kindness and, and Chesed. What's Yitzchak? Yitzchak was gvura, severity, fear of Hashem. What's Yaakov? Yaakov was midas haemes. It says midas emes li Yaakov. Yaakov is the concept of truth. Something that, that goes all the way. Um, isn't unchangeable. That's why Avram was, obviously Avram Avinu, one son was a tzaddik, one son fell out. Yitzchak, one son was a tzaddik, one fell out. Yaakov, all the sons were tzaddikim, the shvatim. That's emes. Emes goes all the way through. It gets to everywhere. It's, it has that, 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 cons- that uh, consistency to it. Or consistency, constantness. What's the right word I'm looking for? Is consistency? Constancy is a word. Yeah, yeah. T- today's not working. What do you think? Con- oh, constancy. Uh-huh. Oh, today is a word class. Okay. <laughs> so there's a constancy. Um, I didn't make that up. Someone else by the table That's here did. Uh, I don't know. There's a machlekes here if this is a word. I want to say the first time you made up a word. It's okay. No, but this time it wasn't me. No, it's a philosophical constancy. It's a word. Consistency works. Okay, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, the quality of being faithful and dependable. It, it, it's, been, it's been proven. Constancy is a word. Okay. So at least everyone can say they learned something from it. Anyways, so the... Um, 
The idea here, and, and let me just see a beautiful connection to this week's Parsha. And this week's Parsha, of course, we're learning about building the Mishkan. Right? We saw Parsha's Truma, the building of the Mishkan. When they built the Mishkan, so there was the actual walls, which was the Krushim. The Krushim were held together by poles, right? Those poles were called the Brichim. The Brichim are the poles outside of the Mishkan. They were covered with gold, and they held all the Krushim, all the planks together. Now, there was the top Krushim on the top third of the wall, the bottom and the middle one, mm-hmm. right? The Pasuk says, the top went, one, one went halfway and the other, the other half, the bottom half and half. The Pasuk says, the middle um, pole, mavriach min went from one corner all the way to the other corner. According to the Medrash and the Talmud, not just throughout that wall, it went all around all four, all three walls. Um, miraculously, that one event, the Gemara says this, that one middle one went miraculously through everything. Kabbalistically, that's the difference between Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Avram and Yitzchak were tremendous tzaddikim, but they didn't go all the way. They didn't represent that midah of emes. We said that Yaakov's midah of emes, it goes all the way till the end, which means that in every place, it finds the emes of that place. On every level, in every person, there's that person's emes. And although for a person on a higher level, it might seem that's not an MS avoda. That's not truthful. It's not real. It's not. It's not permanent. It's not constant. And bringing it to our chapter from a tzaddik's vantage point, the ahava of the benini is somewhat not real because it doesn't hold all the way. It doesn't carry through the entire day. It's only during davening. Says the Alter Rebbe, but no. And here again he says, Hareni kore. I say that the ava that the benini reaches. When the Bainini davens, and the Bainini does their internal avodah and awakens and inspires themselves, even though that inspiration is not going to be throughout the day, but being that the Bainini can always tap into that and always connect to that, that too is an avodah of MS, the MS of the Bainini, the MS for the Bainini. And that avodah is powerful enough then to carry the Bainini over till the next day and till the next day, every day giving the Bainini the koach, the ability to overcome and really be perfect when it comes to action expression of doing the right thing always and this is this is our avoda to work on you know t- to get to closer and closer but the avoda of a yid is to try to inspire themselves from time to time especially during davening and then use that koach throughout the day to use that and to overcome whatever needs to be overcome and do what Hashem wants from us and that's how the Altar finishes chapter 13 and we will continue with Hashem with 14 uh, which is also a continuation really of the Benini um, next week Mirza Hashem